Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Hello, and welcome to our program, Lifestyle Improvement. This is your host, Rebecca. Today, we have with us Susan Roberts. Ms. Roberts studied occupational therapy at Boston University, theology at Harvard University, and nutrition at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She studied five-element theory of traditional Chinese medicine at the Tao of Healing Center in New York City. Ms. Roberts has been an instructor of occupational therapy and practice at Eastern Kentucky University and New York Institute of Technology. She also is the author of the books, Biomechanics, Problem Solving for Occupational Therapy, Kinesiology, Movement in the Context of Activity, My Kid Eats Everything, A Journey from Picky to Adventurous Eating, and The Food Explorer's Passport. She's currently working under contract with Norton Publishing to write Sustainable Health, a book about how we can develop five habits of eating, playing, sleeping, working, and loving to radically transform health. Hello, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us today here at Lifestyle Improvement. We're very happy to have you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Very good. So before we talk about your books, I'm interested in your approach to occupational therapy care. We were just conversing about the fact that at some point in your career, you used to have a private practice. And I'm interested to hear how you used play as a tool for healing, because of course, this program is for caregivers, and it just would give a really nice idea to caregivers of how they can use play to help in the healing for children. Well, I think that play is actually healing for everyone. And, um, and, and I don't know how it ever became a four letter word, but it is certainly something that we, um, I think we, we don't even let children play and play is actually the primary as an occupational therapist. I consider play the primary occupation of childhood. That is how they learn. That is, it's really critical. And, and it has been, something that we have done as a species and for millions of years and not even that it's uh you know they now you know all mammals play as young mammals but adult mammals as well all mammals play and now the people who study uh, animal behavior say also so do fish birds and uh, um, reptiles that they have studied that. So if you take something that's so important that every species of every vertebrate, you know, like if you take that away, you're going to have health problems. Just like if you take sleep away, you're going to have health problems. Not sleeping actually will kill you, but but not playing, I think uh, you don't get to discharge stress. And so when I, you know, work with people, I, I want to know that they are being able to discharge stress and children in, in particular, because they learn as well. Right. Absolutely. So in your therapeutic uh, practice, when you had it, did you uh, approach care uh, through avenues of play? Is that how you started treatment? Or? We had two hour sessions. 
So it was like groups. What we had hoped would be to get to the place where we would be having kids without problems trying to get into our play groups um, because they were so much fun. Um, but we didn't quite we didn't quite get that far. But we had two hours. And so we had 30 minutes of highly supervised, unstructured play. Then we had 30 minutes of snack. That was around often, you know, like in our handwriting groups, we were using uh, various, you know, foods to write on tortillas, that structured activity for 30 minutes. And then we'd have another 30 minutes of highly supervised, unstructured play. So it was cleverly disguised as a house. And kids would come in and there was lots of toys. And I would often, I would say to kids, you know, after the eval, do you want to come back? And they'd be like, yeah, this is a good place, you know. And, um, and I had this one boy and I said, you know, we have some four very strict rules here. If you want to come back, we have four very strict rules. And he was, he said, I know no kicking, no hitting, no fighting, no biting. And he looked so sad. And I said, no, our first rule is have fun. And he was like, finally a place where I can fit in. And and the second thing I said, now the second rule is we have to play safely. That means you have to be able to listen and follow directions. If if somebody tells you something's not safe, can you do that? And he said, yes, but he was lying. Could not listen very well. That was one of his issues. And, uh, but, um, you know, and the third rule was make friends. And the fourth rule was use your imagination. And uh, so it was really great because we, the focus was really on play and, uh, and take, and I mean, in our evaluations, the first line in our getting rid of some paperwork the other day and looking at it, and it said, we want to take the focus off a of disability and put it back on play. I love that. You see, that's so positive. So when they go in there, they go with a positive attitude. And I just love to hear that. And I love to hear that you got positive results because when you have all those fun hormones, good hormones going through your body, you know, those endorphins, when you're laughing and oxytocin as you're socializing, right? All those great, good hormones. And you get the serotonin whenever, you know, somebody says, good job. And you get the, you know, Great, you know. Oh my goodness, yes. It just sets you up for success. It does. I think it's really important to remind that to caregivers. So thank you for sharing that. And the also the other thing is that we only have oftentimes 30 minutes to work with a child and it's just not enough. Like two hours was like a normal play arc. And and kids, you know, could come stressed out from after school and we knew that we had them, you know that before that two hours was over, we would have done whatever it is that we had planned to do or hoped to do with them. And in the meantime, they had a great time. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And so play, play, play. Don't forget to play. Play, play, play. Can't get too much of it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Most people know what physical therapists do. Some people don't quite know what occupational therapy does. What do you think occupational therapy is to you? Well, I think that when we do it right and we look at at any activity, anything that occupies people time, people's time and how do we make life, how do we, I mean, my bottom line now is, is we're here to find our purpose. And if I'm working with a child or an adult, it's like, why are you here? And let's make that work for you. And, and, you know, you're a special person. You're here for your, you, you bring a very unique gift to the world. And what can we do 
to facilitate to make that happen? You know, is it, do you need to get dressed? Do you need to feed yourself? Do you need to stop eating so much sugar? Do you need to learn to walk? Do you need, you know, what is it? Communicate. What is it that is standing in the way your time here? A lot of people think occupational therapy is just about occupation, but occupation is a word that goes way beyond. It's about purpose and direction and goals, and there's a lot to it. Yes, all of those things, yeah. So now that you've given us an idea about occupational therapy, tell us what is a sustainable health coach, because you're an occupational therapist and a sustainable health coach, and that's really interesting to me because I have never found an OT, occupational therapist, that has both of those careers together or titles together. This is your host, Rebecca, and now we will take a short break and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com. And discover how we can help you help yourself. Or call 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101. Caregiver Survival 101. Because care starts with you. So now that you've given us an idea about occupational therapy, tell us what is a sustainable health coach? Because you're an occupational therapist and a sustainable health coach. And that's really interesting to me because I have never found an OT, occupational therapist, that has both of those careers together or titles together. Well, I think that a lot, I mean, I think um, more that, that whole coaching model is is coming into its own. And I think a lot of occupational therapists are drawn to it. Um, and I think in, in some ways, that's what we've always done is we've been, you know, coaches and cheerleaders for people who were, you know, trying to get over whatever um, obstacles had come into their way, you know, physical health or mental health or whatever. And um, so sustainable health is actually something I kind of made up. Um, and and I made it up because I would like to see occupational therapy. I just think that as occupational therapists, we have a, an ability to take it beyond just helping people get over whatever disability they have, but to actually like take your life and do the things that you do in your life, like daily living skills to take you to a whole nother level of health, you know, like, and, and, and so I looked, you know, had been always looking at traditional medicine. And then when I started studying with Dr. Liu at the Tao of Healing, I, I had a framework that had a 2,500 year history 
so that, you know, because most of the traditional healers, it's an oral tradition. So you, you know, and things shift around. I mean, you don't give away the whole store to the first anthropologist that comes down and starts writing notes. You, you screw it up a little bit so that it, it's not, you know, it's not the same, but 2,500 years of written documentation, that's a solid system. And I started looking at those five elements from the idea of five occupations. And so that's where I came up with eating, um, eating, uh, playing, sleeping, uh, working and loving. And those are the, and those resonate with the five elements. And because the five elements resonate with organ systems, tissues, emotions, sensory, all kinds of other things, you can uh, begin blending things together and and seeing. So it's changed the way I look at people. Um, I, I have a, a client and a friend also who has a cough, a, you know, a cough and her doctor can't find anything wrong with it. And for months I've been saying, you need to quit your job because the work in my you know, understanding of, you know, when I put my five elements together with the five traditional elements is metal and metal is about coordination, work and practice and that kind of thing. And so I, you know, and she's very unhappy at work and grief is the emotion that's associated with that, you know, sort of energetic frequency, if you will. And so, you know, so she, she said to me today, you know, the, I just went to the doctor. She said, there's nothing wrong with me, but I have this cough. I can't shake it. I need to quit my job. And I'm like, yes, you need to quit your job and, you know, find another job. So she's been looking, but I think she's beginning to take it a little more seriously. So it's a sort of a very different approach than the one, of course, I was taught in school and you as well. But it it makes sense. And as I've been teaching it around the country and the, in the seminars that I teach continuing ed, um, I am finding not just occupational therapists, but physical therapists and, um, and speech therapists and, and, um, psychologists and social workers, counselors who are all able to see, ah, yes, I see how these pieces fit together. And instead of sort of randomly trying one technique after another, until we find one that fits, being able to say, ah, I see these clues and this is pointing me in this direction. So your body is. That, you know, that's it. And the body parts as well, too. Yeah, because it's the energetic frequencies and it's going by the traditional Chinese medicine meridians, which are not exactly lined up the way the nerves and, and blood vessels that we are taught in anatomy, but fairly close. Early close. So greater awareness that stress to certain parts of your body will create illness and disease. Yes, yes. And just another way of looking at that. And it's not really even a new idea, but it's certainly one that we haven't, um, we sort of veered away from Western medicine. In contemporary Western medicine and are beginning to come back to it, I think. But uh, I just stumbled across as I'm researching for this book, a book I haven't read it yet, probably it's the next one on my list, by uh, Alice Miller, who's written a lot of really good books over the years about abuse, child abuse and, and the, the after effects of that. 
And then this one, it's called the your your body never lies or the body never lies. And it's about how abuse affects specific, you know, specific illnesses associated with various forms of abuse, which I think is amazing. And trauma and trauma to the body. Cause and trauma as well. The other thing I wanted to ask you where um, you were talking and we've talked here about sustainable, how, what it means to be a sustainable health coach and how you invented that, which I think is really cool. And as a sustainable health coach, I would like you to give a picture to the caregivers because here, of course, this program is about is for caregivers and just to give tips to them and just things that they can do at home today. How would that fit into healing? And in this case, when, you know, they have children that have maybe uh, dealt with trauma or not just physical, but emotional trauma, what are some tips that you can give caregivers today that they can do at home? This is your host, Rebecca, and now we will take a short break and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. What if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com improvement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387 extension 101 that again is 877-957-7387 extension 101 for an initial free phone consultation lifestyle improvement occupational therapy we're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed The other thing I wanted to ask you where uh, you were talking and we've talked here about sustainable, how, what it means to be a sustainable health coach and how you invented that, which I think is really cool. And as a sustainable health coach, I would like you to give a picture to the caregivers because here, of course, this program is about is for caregivers and just to give tips to them and just things that they can do at home today. How would that fit into healing? And in this case, when, you know, they have children that have maybe uh, dealt with trauma or not just physical, but emotional trauma, what are some tips that you can give caregivers today that they can do at home? I think that, and one of the things that I'm doing in this book is I have sidebars for every chapter, like how to do this practice with um, with children, how to do it with elders, because I think a lot of times, um, not only do we, we get caught up in supplements and gizmos, you know, techno gizmos and all the other things that, that, you know, it, it becomes too difficult and too expensive to get healthy. Um, and all of these things are basically low cost or free. Um, and, and you can do them with kids. You don't do it the same way. So for instance, um, the play, um, we start in the book with play, uh, and the practice that I recommend is a, uh, I call it an eyes wide open meditation. Cause I know a lot of people struggle with meditation and it is critically important 
it is critically important. Important, but this is a playful meditation. So you, t- you know, take your beverage after work or take your beverage uh, in the morning, and you either sit by a window or sit outside, and you watch the wind blow. So the focus is on movement, which is what our eyes were designed to do is focus on movement. And it's a way to release stress. It's a way um, and, um, and you know, you just and, and to reconnect with the natural world and to get if you're outside, you're going to get some fresh air, oxygenated, extra oxygenated. But with a child, you would not you know, you're not going to make them sit and drink a beverage and watch the squirrels run in the trees. What you're going to do with your child is you're going to go out on a walk and you're going to focus on what they focus on, you know? So, you know, they may be interested in a flower. They may be interested in a bird. They may be interested in a piece of trash they just found on the ground, but what they're, you know, you follow their wonder because they will lead you into a meditation a deep meditation. If you let yourself stay focused, you know, you start to think just like at any meditation, you start to think, Oh, I didn't pay the bills or, you know, I got to get the car to the shop or, you know, why did I do that at work? You know, Oh no, let's take a look at this very interesting candy wrapper that we just found on the ground. The bug that's crawling on the flower, you know, that you bring that focus back, bring it back, bring it back. It's the same practice you would do in a, breath meditation or anything else, but now we're, we're having fun. And you know, Susan, right at the spot, I, I just want to interject and just say, when you mean meditation, to me is also awareness and thoughtfulness, because I know a lot of people are scared of that word. They think it means, you know, something else that is connected to other things that are more a, a belief system. And really meditation, the way we're using it is awareness and thoughtfulness. So using your sensory system to be focused on what's in front of you, correct? Exactly. To be focused on what's in front of you and to reconnect with that natural world. And I think that, uh, I think we have been, oftentimes people do get very scared about meditation. They get scared about it for, as you say, and that it's connected with belief systems. But also, you know, I mean, I was just reading online today, somebody who went through one of those 10 day silent meditations and they are in pain, you know, and they're in pain, um, and part of what that does is it helps them to refocus their thoughts. And and I think that it has value. I mean, it, it seems to have value in the being able to, um, you know, there, there's a lot of good things that can come from. And there's so many different ways to meditate. There's not just one. Uh, so what I want to do with this book on sustainable health is to make a lot of si- simple, not necessarily easy but simple practices that you can do and and that you can have fun. You know, you can, you know, people are, when I tell them, oh, you're going to watch the wind blow, they're all like, oh, that's just going to be great. But, you know, it still takes that focus. You still have to say, okay, I'm going to get my coffee and I'm going to sit and look out the window. I'm going to sit and in the yard for 15 minutes. I am not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to think about the bills. I'm just going to watch the birds jump from branch to branch and the squirrel and the leaves. And, but it's a practice nonetheless. For me, and I hear you and I just, 
I absolutely agree. For me, because I am a person of faith, I sit I sit down and look at nature, and I do that. And, and for me, it's a form of prayer, not just prayer, meditation and prayer. It is. And prayer and meditation are very, very similar. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it is one of the most relaxing, peaceful things after you've had a full day of caregiving to take that 15 minute moment to just believe me, I do it as much as I can to just look out there and just exercise gratitude and, and just look at the beauty. So that's a great exercise to recommend. I love it. Wonderful. I love it. What I really love about that, about how you explained it is that you're right for adults, you know, you can kind of sit down and look at the birds and whatever, but for children is a little bit like you said, harder. So what I love is that you've brought it down to the level of a child. And uh, and that's just great information, Susan. Thank you. They're the guide. Whatever they're interested in, you're interested in it. And you know, for a child to have that kind of adult attention for 15 minutes, it's a two-way, it's a two-way energetic thing that just really benefits both Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement for part one of our interview with Susan Roberts. Ms. Roberts studied occupational therapy at Boston University, theology at Harvard University, and nutrition at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She studied five-element theory of traditional Chinese medicine at the Tao of Healing Center in New York City. Ms. Roberts has been an instructor of occupational therapy and practice at Eastern Kentucky University and New York Institute of Technology. She is also the author of the books, Biomechanics, Problem Solving for Occupational Therapy, Kinesiology, Movement in the Context of Activity, My Kid Eats Everything, A Journey from Picky to Adventurous Eating, and The Food Explorer's Passport. She is currently working under contract with Norton Publishing to write Sustainable Health, a book about how we can develop five habits of eating, playing, sleeping, working, and loving to radically transform health. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Lifestyle Improvement. And don't forget to join your host, Rebecca Rogers, again for part two of our interview with Susan Roberts.